Hey everybody, welcome to Surface Level, creating a community for Black and queer folks are fearless in thought and curious at heart. I'm one of your hosts, Damon, and today, Jordan, Tony, and I are discussing how the current political climate affects the lives of Black and brown queer folks. Is there a specific age where sexuality and gender identity should be discussed? What can politicians do to protect Black Americans from violence spawned by ideas such as replacement theory? This is The Black Gay Agenda. All right. So we've been gone for a minute. Just a, little, just, <laughs> just a hot minute. Just a hot minute. So first, to everybody, happy Pride. That's happening. Happy Juneteenth. Yes, She's yeah. on right. Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, happy Father's Day if you're a father or if you call someone daddy. Ooh, child. Ooh. Um, That's all, Tony. And then... Yeah. You, you, you call me daddy? No, he's I daddy. get called daddy. Mm, yeah. Sometimes. Um, look at his hands. <laughs> <laughs> th- th- those ten thumbs. I got ten thumbs. <laughs> Enough to feed you with. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Natalie, close this on up. I got to win again. But no, there's a lot going on in June. It's, yeah, and I'm then, gagging. and then, and then. Happy two-year anniversary to Surface Level. I know. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Two years. Two years. Wow. 50 fucking episodes. Wow. Nobody's killed each other. Remember everybody's hair journey since the the two years started? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I started by with, you know. Well, you were bald. I, like, just cut it all off. You, like, did the whole introduction of the bald head. (laughs) And the girls gagged. They did. And you know what? It stuck. If it's It's up, still here. And so it's still here. When you girls were on your your, um, natural hair journey yeah and demand's hair has exponentially grown (laughs) since season one when he goes back he always says i look so crazy in season well because i the i needed to get my fucking hair retwisted and the world shut down right (laughs) and then it was also before my hair was long so now like now you're flourishing thriving and surviving but then them baby locks that weren't retwisted sadness (laughs) <laughs> yeah you didn't like that Ooh, Ooh, don't make that face but don't make that face but the hair is giving it is anyway <laughs> so we've been gone for a few months what's yeah. everybody been up to jordan um nothing i've actually nothing been, actually yeah that's about? a lie i'm sorry i don't even know <laughs> the why girl started off that. the season lying just fucking lying it's just <laughs> it's just a gut reaction to like to downplay lie? no to downplay what's going on in my life because if I actually share everything that's going on in my life, it's given too much. But for who? Um, it's given not a life. For who? <laughs> right. For, Don't matter. For some. Don't matter. <laughs> no, I mean it's been it's been a really cool like break. I've loved the break. Um, I just been like I started a new job recently, so I've been really really um, active with that. That's been yes. taking up a lot of my brain space. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just like. I don't really know. Ain't nothing new other than the fact that I don't have any free time. <laughs> That's not new. It's it's kind of new. I mean, no, you had not. free time before. I had like, more free time. You talk about a bitch that scheduled a life up with more activities. Okay, I have plans. I have plans. And like, I always regret them. Can we do something? <laughs> no, I have 17 dinners this week with people I don't want to go to dinner with. <laughs> no, 17 dinners. I just want to have all my dinners be FaceTimes from now on. Oh my goodness! You've been saying that for two seasons. Still going to dinner. I know. I don't have the. I don't have the willpower. (laughs) (laughs) Tony. Well, you know, I'm just living my life like it's golden, Um, (laughs) and it's a new dawn, a new day. It's it's me season. It's actually me season. season. I'm starting a new job next week. Period. Gag. I am. (laughs) (laughs) And it's giving. You know, I I, I've been saying this, but I'm gonna say it. I'm 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 with the money girls now. (laughs) I'm with the money girls. I finally have arrived to the fucking show. 
and now I can sit at that table. Um, but I've always sat at the table, but now I'm actually like, I'm not faking it until I make it. I actually made it. The girls are hashtag black and tech. And so, <laughs> black and tech. Um, yeah, so that's new. Also, I'm in a, a thriving, I'm say thriving because it's thriving, new relationship, yes. which I'm really enjoying. You know what mm -hmm. I said? I've said before on the podcast that I, I want someone who reminds me of like one of my girls. Right. And this person reminds me of one of my girls. Love that. I can do me. They can do them. And it all works together harmoniously. And it's like we're navigating the situation in a way that's very upfront, in a way that's giving each other grace and patience and time to, you know, sort things out and figure out what this looks like together. Mm -hmm. We went on a trip recently. Um, Didn't to, kill each other. We went to Puerto Rico. It was beautiful. Okay. I met all know. 10 new people that I just, all strangers. Just 10. A, a strange loop <laughs> of 10 folks usher, usher. that I've never met. Usher. But uh, by day one and a quarter, I was like best mm -hmm. friends with everyone. You know me. I just do me I also, everywhere I go. I saw the pictures from Puerto Rico. You saw them? All that ass in that thong. It was a lot of ass that, in that, that thong. Is, that helped too. Yeah. And I, I, I loved it. And so I'm in a really good space. I'm mm -hmm. in good spirits. Uh, and right now it's like a good time. I think this year is the one. You know what I call Not that? Not the two. What do you call it? Growth. <laughs> everybody I know is thriving <laughs> in abundance. Listen, not everybody I know, but you know, for the ones that for the ones that aren't, we still give them grace. support, absolutely, and grace, and we ten toes down. Yeah, ten, we just gotta stand ten toes down on the support system <laughs> of it all. Demond, Demond. Um, I, I I picked my ten toes up and I left Harlem. Well, look, yes. one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. So I moved to Jersey. I got a roommate. Ciao. Here she goes. We, we, still, I have we a still roommate. calling it a roommate. What do you call the people you live with? <laughs> I actually have a roommate. I too have a roommate. I actually have, right, I actually have a roommate. There so, is someone I mate with in you, my room. Okay, well, that's different. You mate with them. So it's primal. It's giving very much of like very National Geographic going on in the I bedroom. What they got to do with it? What you talking about? You oh, mating. You talking about? You're mating. Tony was on these people in your bedroom. <laughs> I'm, always, I'm always mating in my room, child. Oh, okay. Well, wow. <laughs> but yeah, surface level uh, after dark. You have a or in the daytime. <laughs> that in part. Daytime. Oh, all times a day. Hello. In all in various places. <laughs> not, not vanilla. <laughs> not vanilla. <laughs> Y'all get that later in the season. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where we are. And I, I, I think we're back in season. The world's on fucking fire. Um, it's required for us to start another season talking about politics. Yeah. Um, against probably the better judgment of my two co-hosts. But here we are. So, uh, Tony, I think we're bringing somebody special in. We are bringing someone special in, and it's a good time to bring them in because you girls don't have the range. <laughs> so you may know him because you spotted him in just over the years, and you may know him distinctly from his identifiable blue Patagonia vest, fighting social justice near and far. And so DeRay McKesson is a civil rights activist and author focused on issues of innovation, equity, and justice. He frequently appears on national media outlets, including The Daily Show, The Colbert Report, NPR, 
MSNBC, CNN. Shall I go on? No, I don't, we don't have enough time for the accolades, but it's giving. He's also the host of the award-winning weekly podcast known as Pod Save the People because we all need some saving, which creates a space for conversation about the most important justice, equity, and identity-related issues of the week. So to start season five, we're really excited to welcome our special guest, DeRay McKesson, to our Surface Level family. Yay! Welcome. <laughs> welcome. It's welcome. an honor to be here. I'm so excited. I <laughs> finally got the invite. <laughs> <laughs> the inaugural episode of season five. Right. All right. So, DeRay, we Is only... it really five seasons? Yeah. Four. Can you, can you it. believe That's it? Well, well, <laughs> Congratulations. The, the trick is we do two a year, so it's giving seasonal. <laughs> um, <laughs> spring, summer, fall, winter. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. So that's how that works. <laughs> and then you get to five in two years. <laughs> voila. <laughs> now voila. Voila. <laughs> Thank you, Tony, for that math. Um, the math is mathing. <laughs> okay. So we're going to play a game, do something a little fun with, you know, politics, because mm -hmm. we can't all be sad for the episode. <laughs> right. Um, so we wanted to reimagine the government, okay. but for black people. Yes, make it black. So, make it the but, government, but, make, but it make it black. black. <laughs> um, so first, you, I'm going to give you a scenario. You pick the person you want to be in charge. Okay. All right. So the chair of the Congressional Black Auntie Committee. Mm. Would you like for that to be Miss Mary J. Plage <laughs> or Niecy Nash? Jordan. Niecy Nash. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Reno 911 just really made me feel like, you know, things would be really under control. <laughs> but also, Claws. If you've never seen Claws, I haven't watched Claws. Claws off on Claws. It's a great series. Niecy Mary Nash. would be a great deputy, though. <laughs> <laughs> Niecy, I would say, too. You would yeah. Say, you would say okay. Niecy. Uh, maybe Niecy. I feel like she brings the people together a little more. Yeah. Mary don't like me bothered with these folks. Ciao. Go, Mary. I'm going to say Mary J. Motherfucking Blige. Stand up for the, for the auntie committee yeah. of, of any government. Government. Not government. 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 Mary J. Blige. Hands down. All right. So now fight all you bitches for that. <laughs> so next, um, in the National Archives, we have a soul food recipe curator. Okay. Would you like for that to be Miss Patty LaBelle or Gladys Knight? All right now. Tony. Patty! <laughs> <laughs> gotta be Patty. I mean, Gladys Knight probably will probably like, you know, cook her under the table, but like Patty LaBelle, I just, I just. She got cookbooks. I just. just She's had cookbooks for, for years. It's Patty for me. They yeah, got new cookbooks when she got diabetes. To make sure she wasn't the killing who? the girls. She had cookbooks. Ha and then you she say diabetes? What's that? She's diabetes. had diabetes. Oh, diabetes. It's like diabetes. The sugar. I was just like, I just, like, just had new like Why? form of cuisine. Like, what is this? Oh, God. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm back. You're back. So, uh, what's uh, your answer, Jordan? Um, Patty. I mean, we know <laughs> Patty Pie, right? Like, I mean, I don't really know Gladys to really cook. Not saying that she doesn't. Anybody named Gladys cooks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a Gladys that. Where Gladys from? Georgia. Georgia. Midnight. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna still I'm gonna stick with Patty. Mm-hmm. DeRay. Pa Patty Pot easy. Yeah. Patty. <laughs> Patty as well. All right. So for our black sec press secretary, only speaking to black owned or black run press. Saucy Santana or Carisha. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Only speaking to who? Black owned or black run press. Yes. So we're only talking to essence oh or we're talking God. to things that like utopia. British Vogue. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not British Vogue. Black owned or run. Because I believe we I support I like both. That. So we're going with Saucy Santana or Carisha. <laughs> Carisha oh. girl. 
we definitely going with Saucy. Like, I need him to be at the podium giving very much up. I can't do the impersonation. Jordan's good at that. Carissa, uh, please! <laughs> <laughs> yes. Jordan? Um, I mean, I'm trying to make a suspenseful moment. It's going to be Saucy for me. I, I'm obsessed with Saucy. Yeah. I love Saucy. I, he should have just apologized about the old tweets, though, so I can't oh. give him that. The so Beyonce gonna, stuff? Are we oh, going there? Are we going there? I'm just saying. Right. I, I don't know why we didn't just... You know, so you going with Carisha, girl? I'm going with Carisha. Ooh. I just Carisha, please. No, I, I just child. The beehive is ready to swarm in on that. should have just said in the in the whole like it was a while ago. It's like you were 20. <laughs> <laughs> you were 20. That's true. Very Blue so. Ivy is a child. Just apologize. Yeah. So not wow. depressed. I'm gonna still go with Saucy because I feel like press secretaries don't do a lot of apologizing. <laughs> so that is true. That could be helpful. Mm. But Carisha. She had the podcast, right? She had the podcast. She and she did that. People, she, people I, didn't think she was going to do it. And she did that. I haven't right. seen it yet, but the clip I saw, I was intrigued. I right. I was definitely captivated. All right. So, all right. So let's keep going. Smart. So for <laughs> Secretary of Fans, this person is tasked with negotiating peace between the Beehive and the Navy. Oh, my God. Oprah or RuPaul? DeRay. Oprah. I think people just can't be mad at Oprah. Oprah just is like an easy... Unless you're Monique... <laughs> Jordan. Yeah, I don't have a different answer. Oprah is like that is like Gandhi. The, <laughs> black the, Gandhi. the black Gandhi in my eyes. You know, I'm an Oprah girl. <laughs> but but for some reason, my my Mother Rue. It's in it's in me to say Mother Rue would be the one that could like, you know, be the bridge in the divide. Mm -hmm. Let it out, child. Yeah. I think I think Mother Rue. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going with Oprah. I always want to sit down with Oprah Child. And Oprah like is like Jim actually Jim. that nice in real life. Didn't she? Didn't in a like... way that's like sort of cool. Yes, I love Ooh, that. Come on, she's give us like, that. We, we were somewhere and she just walked up. She's like, hi, I'm Oprah. You're like, I love it. I know. Thank you. Great I love an introduction you. from somebody extremely famous. Right. I'm Oprah. She's oh. and like, hi. You're like, didn't, um, it's like, yeah. didn't Patty LaBelle and Diana Ross make peace at like the Oprah Legends Ball? Like she sat them at the Did table together. Did they have conflict? Yeah, child, they had, they didn't speak for years. Oh, yeah. And then they exactly. Oprah sat them at the same table at the Legends Ball. Mm -hmm. And they were both they were just like she was like, You mad? No, girl. You mad? <laughs> no, okay. Oprah oh, I love doing that. the Lord's I love work. Um, so next. The singer laureate will be responsible for all BT lifetime achievement laureate. um <laughs> and in memorandum tributes. Okay. Forever and beyond. Forever and ever. Okay. Would you rather have Fantasia or Yolanda Adams? Mm. Tony, now mm. you know the wisdom with Yolanda uh, and with Fantasia, you're gonna get like what <laughs> Fantasia delivered, <laughs> and because for no other reason that I'm just more familiar with Fantasia and like I, the spirit of drama, drama um, I'm gonna go with Fantasia for me. Yeah, I need that in my life. Deray, Fantasia only because she grew up in the church, so she can give us Yolanda. She can give us what Yolanda can give us. But she can also drop it. And, you know, mm -hmm. Yolanda is not, Yolanda's going to give us one thing. I, I think. Know. Yolanda sang Sweet Thing to, uh, to Shaka Khan. Did she really? Yeah. She also sang to Anita Baker. They pull Yolanda out for a good. Oh, they okay. do pull her out. See, y'all got to catch, up, catch up on those Beth tributes. That's Yolanda's, the only reason I watch the VT oh, Awards. Very much still. <laughs> for the tribute. Taking the stage. Okay. <laughs> Jordan. Can I be honest? Sure. Do you even know who Yolanda Adams is? I, would, I, I don't I want do you to know Yolanda don't Adams. <laughs> first of all. Yolanda Adams. <laughs> I do, know, I do uh, know Yolanda Hadid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I would pick Fantasia. And it's because, like, and don't hate me, y'all. But, like, 
as soon as BET start doing the gospel segment, I turn it off. Oh. So I feel like if Yolanda's going to be in a position to like se- select all the like tributes, I just wanted, I, I, I prefer it to be secular music. And that's why I'm going to go with Fantasia. She ain't safe, Joe. All right now. All right. I'll be saved on Sunday. Not on the BET night. It is Sunday. <laughs> that's it's literally Sunday. You know, All right. Next. For somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm always going to go with Fantasia. So, the Chief Justice of Ballroom deciding who will be legendary. Hmm. Laomi or Deshaun? Wesley. Um, <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> That's a group decision. Laomi because... Um, <laughs> I'm not familiar with the second name you said. Deshaun, Deshaun who hosts Legendary? Who hosts Legendary? Oh, okay. My answer is still the same. <laughs> DeRay. I'm deferring. Play on me. Yeah, I, I, I decided as um, co-chair of, <laughs> <laughs> of of the question side of the house <laughs> that Laomi is the one, not She's the two. Girl. And so, yeah. Trust black trans women. Trust. All right. A um, couple more. So, Secretary of Racial Defense in charge of all cookout invitations. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Haddish to Raji P. Henson. <sighs> You gotta have That's a, a hard one. I it's, need somebody that I know gonna fight for some, for some shit. It's, it's Taraji. Taraji. Yeah, it's Taraji. <laughs> uh oh. No, 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 no. Tiffany Haddish is gonna give what needs to be given. But I think sometimes she cheats she, a little bit like me, where it's just like, girl. You off the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but that's all right. We're going to be in attendance. We be deputy. We'll be deputy. But to, I'll say Taraji. All right. Um, and then finally, the chair of the, the Commission on Equity and Inclusion, <laughs> Lady Gaga. What? Or Harry Styles. What? You got to have black people run the world now. So therefore. Oh, Gaga. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. Well, you know what? As long as there's one person in the room. Yeah. <laughs> if there's one be, person in the room, there's 100 people in the room. All you need is one. That was good. I was slow on that one. That was good. I'll give you that. So it's definitely going to be Gaga because she gets it. She gets it. I don't you know you really went there, Gaga. <laughs> that was good. You really went there. Listen. The girls that get it, get it. And the girls who don't, don't. don't. Gaga. I don't really, I'm not really familiar enough with Harry Styles to put him in a position of power. I hear he's a great person, but I'm Lady Gaga. I was having a hard time with someone that wasn't Lady Gaga. <laughs> because for me, like, it's the only white woman I'm trusting. Um, Julia Roberts, though, I think makes a strong, oh. it's my favorite white woman. <laughs> like, Notting Hill. Like, oh, she had a whole run of, like, girl next door, yes. your mom, babysitter, fight people, Aaron Brockovich. Good uh-huh. run. She had a good run. It's true. It's true. Fair. Uh, and finally, for our guest, Duray, what are you curious about? Uh, in general? Mm-hmm. Anything. Uh, what, can somebody start me off. What are y'all curious about? We don't answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what am I curious about? It could be anything. I'm interested. Uh, I mean, this about my work or like life? Anything. Anything. Oh, I don't know. I'm like over Anything. I'm like, what am I curious about? Anything. Don't make it difficult. Make it simple. Whatever comes to mind. What are you curious about in life and work and in these times in the future? You'd be curious about what you're going to eat later, Chuck. You've been traveling that all too. day. Very hungry. <laughs> Very I'm simple. We're working on a, this is like, has nothing to do with identity, but there's a jail in Richland County, South Carolina, where a man died of dehydration in the jail. It takes a long time to 
dive dehydration. And when they pulled his body up, he had um, rat bites on his body, which is insane. Oh, my God. So we're about to do something there. But I'm like, we're trying to figure out how how a place becomes so crazy and like why it's not more of an issue in mm. Richland County, South Carolina. So that's like my, that's like the latest thing that I'm like, we don't have an answer yet. We know mm -hmm. it's bad. It's like 75 guards, 600 people in the jail. Why is it not like, why have you not heard of this? It's something that like, we just don't really understand. And we got to it because a lawyer reached out to us and did us. So we're going to do something. But that's like the, of the things that work where I'm like, I don't know yet what we do. Mm -hmm. Um, That is the thing on my mind. Wow. All right. Well, and that's how we can change the tone into the conversation we're having. <laughs> and I'm like, what can I say that's light? I'm like, no, nope. oh, there is a chicken place in Harlem. Okay. On 145th. On 145th. That just opened. I'm right? going there today. I know. What? So you I, ain't tell me. I don't want to say their name because don't say the it. food is good. Okay. The food's don't, good. Don't worry. Oh, you have a logistics. Oh, zero out of ten, <laughs> <laughs> and it's one. Of, and I've like tried zero. to really oh, goose egg. zero. It's a one goose of those egg. things where like. I, you walk in and they're like, come here to order the chicken. You're like, okay, cool. And then you go somewhere else to order the sides and like, they don't talk. Really? So it literally is like- the So there's beef between the sides and the, the chicken. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just a gap in the supply chain. It is like the least, it like, it literally makes no sense. So when you get to the register, you're like telling them, you're like, oh no, no, I got the, you're like, it's just chicken. So Why is it so now hard? You're the logistic person. <laughs> it is. You're like manning the. It really is something. <laughs> so now I order online just so I can go pick it up and they don't even have that right. And I'm, but the food is good and I'm trying to support black people. But let me know what you think when you go, because it is. It's on my list. Mm. It's one of those like maybe I'll take a sabbatical and just go help because it like it cannot be <laughs> not volunteer. You do you do enough. <laughs> it's okay. I think I think you have enough it's on your plate. Out. Take your break to yourself. I've not been, but now Demond's going I, in I, secret I, because he didn't tell me. Didn't tell neither. Right. Right. You gotta go. One of us. You gotta. Please tell me your review of the flow. Yeah, I know I won't like it. But I'll get the chicken. Jordan, we'll get the chicken spot name and the. After this is all wrapped up, I tagged them yeah. on Instagram because I was so annoyed, and they wrote back like, "Sorry, we just opened." I'm like, "Look at that customer service!" No, but it didn't get better. That's uh, not customer um. service. They just replied. <laughs> okay, customer first. <laughs> now the tone's not right again. <laughs> oh no! And now I have just, to delve into just delve just, in, baby. Okay, so starting our first conversation for the season, um, I thought a lot about how to structure this around politics, and typically we pick one thing where we talk about it for the entire episode and because the world's on fire there wasn't just one thing that we could discuss so we're kind of going to do an episode shaped around hot topics we picked three out of the many yeah. um but i wanted to start here um when thinking about the shape for this episode i i read this quote um by danny fernandez uh that said the gay agenda is keeping gay people alive that's our big scary plan staying alive and i think that for me really summed up what the current political climate is right now. Um, just thinking about the physical harm being done to black people, queer people, people in general, um, thinking about the emotional, spiritual, mental toll that a lot of laws and things that are in place or being pushed forward and how they affect people. Uh, and, and I think that harm and all those different ways were the things that we we're going to kind of dissect over the course of this so stay with us everybody it's going to be a little heavy and complex yeah. but i think that it's valuable conversation worth having um so we're going to start here um recently there was a shooting in buffalo new york uh where there were many elderly uh black people harmed in a grocery store in buffalo uh, the shooter was radicalized by the idea of replacement theory the idea that 
minority groups as we grow in population, uh, we outnumber white Americans, and then they lose power. That's a very oversimplified version of way of saying it. You can do more research. Um, but what do we think politicians can do to better protect black Americans against the violence that's being spawned from ideas such as this? Um, Duray, let's start with you. I'd say, you know, uh, it's not lost to me that the conversation about identity comes up in a moment where policing became the biggest conversation, right? So like the protests and then all of a sudden mm -hmm. we're talking about identity and, and that is a good thing in the sense that, you know, the police for so many people are like the visceral manifestation of the state. It's like you see a police officer, but the logic of policing is actually as damaging. And the logic says that people with power create rules and they violently enforce those on other people. And like, that is what policing is. It's the violent enforcement. So what is transphobia, if not heteronormative values and beliefs that are violently enforced on other people? What is homophobia, if not heteronormative values and beliefs that are violently enforced on other people? And I start there because it is the violent enforcement of the ideas that become, it's not that people just have homophobic ideas. Mm -hmm. It is the violent enforcement of them that actually become the real problem. And when you talk about replacement theory, I'm always reminded that one of the things that whiteness has always done is like intellectualize hate. So the idea that like, there's like a whole theory that like, that makes evil sound like it's like some complicated mental thing. You're like, no, this is just racist, right? Mm -hmm. And what is true is that like people of color are, will be the majority soon. You know, the white people will not be the majority. And that is for all intents and purposes, a very good thing. But to call it a theory is really just to like intellectualize what it means that white people are like losing power in terms of being the biggest number. But in terms of what we can do, I think, I think a lot of it, uh, some of it is like having the conversation. I think that so much of this um, is allowed to fester because people just don't talk about it. People don't know. The second thing I think we can do is take the bite out of the boogeyman. I think that so much of what allows hate to fester is like people just get anxious over things because it feels like so big and crazy. Mm -hmm. So like with the police, um, where I spend most of my time, we sort of push people. And like when I'm in conversation with the police, I will switch out the word police and say person with the gun. Because that is probably like more true. Like, do you need a person with a gun to like get the cat out of a tree? You don't. Do you need a person with a gun to like tell you your taillights not? Like you actually don't need a person with a gun. And part of the reason I do that is I'm trying to take like the bite. Out. Like when I say police, it like, it means so much to people. Yeah. But person with the gun is both more true and like less, it feels less intense, but it gets across what we want, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I think about issues of identity, this lesson I say, when I think about issues of identity, I do think that like the boogeyman is always in the room until we move the boogeyman out. So the conversation about the trans community is like stealing kids and, and you're like, that's not what's happening, right? Or like the conversations about queerness is like, you know, um, grooming young, you're like, it becomes this boogeyman until we move the boogeyman out of the way. Mm -hmm. And so much of the rhetorical work is like naming the boogeyman and moving the boogeyman out of the way. Yeah. Jordan, Tony, anything? Yeah, no, I, I, so I, you know, you girls know, I watched The View. Like, <laughs> Religiously. It's my favorite fucking show since the end of time. Also Oprah, but like, she's gone on that platform, but like, but one of the things that came up for me and that I think is true is like, I think Whoopi said it, like, if we actually had the power to replace white people and, you know, if we actually wanted to do that and had the power to do it, don't you think it would have already, already been done? Given everything that black and brown folks have gone through in this country, I think that we probably would have made it happen. Like, you, the <laughs> girls would be gagging, you know? And so I just think it's a ridiculous concept mm -hmm. at the end of the day because it's so preposterous mm -hmm. to think that, like that people are literally physically replacing folks is such a concept and a, the 
uh, theory, like you said, Duray, and I, I'm just, it perplexes me why people actually think it's real. Yeah, that's like. Mm. And just as like a small clarification to the theory is that uh, it rests on this idea that we're like, um, allowing immigration to happen to replace the white people. Like, that's right. like a key part of the theory that we're like busing in black and brown people from across the world to replace white people. And you're like, yeah, that is not, you know, we would Just love like, to bring more people into the country in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's not what's happening. Yeah. I mean, I think that when I was, um, I, I, I forget what podcast I was listening to like a couple of weeks ago, but, um, I know that Tucker calls Carlson on Fox News, um, did a lot to sort of spread this news around the replacement theory and that like Democrats are allowing more immigrants in so that we can change the, the genetic makeup of the electoral body so that like people who are going to be voting for them is just going to be more. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, one of the things that I thought of in terms of like solving this is probably pretty controversial, but, um, the idea of, figuring out how do we censor um, the internet. So I feel like this, this shooter that was in Buffalo, New York was radicalized on the internet. Um, we have this message that's on mass media that then gets taken. That's like a, like a really cute version of the message. And then it goes into the internet and it becomes something a lot more sinister. And people are organizing these murderous acts on the internet. Mm -hmm. And I understand like, you know, like we have social media apps and they're moderated for hate speech and things like that, but we don't have any moderation really outside of these social media apps, like just on random message boards and websites. And I'm wondering if there's anything that could be done to sort of take a look at the hate speech and the organized murder that is being communicated online. Um, I'm curious to see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in censoring the American people and making it so that we can't like just speak openly about difference of opinions. But I think that in this specific case where this person probably was at a level two and then the internet got them to a level 10, mm -hmm. um, I'm curious to see like what politicians and what the government can do to make the internet a safer place so that people aren't radicalized in this way to the extent to go out and slaughter a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I was thinking a lot about this question and, and that, that quote, like when you're used to privilege, uh, equality feels like oppression kept mm -hmm. com yeah. coming back and back and back. Um, and, and just the idea that like it, nothing's going to fucking happen. I don't really care what's happening in like your vanilla suburb in Connecticut. Like I don't care to replace your lifestyle. I don't care to impart on it. I just want to live as freely as possible. And I think for me, like when I was thinking very tangibly about like what can be done, um, in thinking about the um the how we view the constitution, I think that people that view it that don't look at it as a living document that evolves, that has amendments, that changes, I think that's one of actually the most harmful things that happens. People that view the constitution as a the traditionalist, wherever the correct term is, mm -hmm. um, where they're just like, this was written. This is how I will look at it 200 and almost 50 years later. Mm -hmm. um, and to think one, that a group of white men who thought that slavery was a good idea because most of them owned slaves or enslaved people. Um, I, I don't necessarily look to that group as like my guiding, my North star. 
So yeah. I think that if you don't question that, that that's asinine. I think that if you are like part of this is really the gun debate that's happening in America. Like even as we were coming here, like they're trying to reach agreements on a framework of some changes that can be made small mainly meaning meaningless but changes nonetheless um that can be made but like if we're applying the same gun laws that to obama joked some years ago to bayonets that we are to like a fucking machine gun <laughs> pretty much like if you can't see the difference in that and understand why those things need to be governed differently, then I think we're starting from a place of zero. Like, are we really having a conversation or are you just being performative to me because it like gets the people going, right. it gets your ad dollars filtered in Tucker Carlson. It gets Ted Cruz to remain, remain in the Senate. Like uh, I, that, that to me is the, the thing that makes it really hard. Like to not understand that the world changes that periodically we need to reevaluate how we're looking at it, how we govern ourselves. Uh, and, and anything other than that, I just feel like we're having a conversation that's living in some type of fantasy world that doesn't actually exist. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, but to shift gears a bit, because mm -hmm. I want to talk about mental harm and the don't say gay bill that's, mm -hmm. that's been in heavy, very heavy mm -hmm. in media and politics. Happy right fucking now. pride. So I want to start here. Yeah, happy pride. <laughs> um, because according to a poll from the Trevor Project, which is an intervention and suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ plus youth, two thirds of LGBTQ plus youth said that debates concerning state laws around banning classroom instruction on sexual orientation or gender identity have had a negative impact on their mental health. And so with that being said, it takes us into the conversation around that don't say gay bill because it's actually titled the parental rights bill and what the bill actually says is that teachers aren't supposed to give or have instruction in kindergarten through third grade classrooms about issues of gender or sexual sexuality and then after the third grade it should only be age appropriate or grade appropriate and that parents have the right to complain or even file a lawsuit when the instruction doesn't does dive into this area, which is interesting. And so the question is, are topics around sexuality and orientation, sexual orientation and gender identity, something that should be discussed in schools? Should it be something that is confined to a certain age group and associated with that? Do what do we think there? Duray, let's start with you. Um, Sorry, that was so funny because you're like, who are you start with? It's like, uh, start with him. Um, <laughs> it's like, is he wondering? Uh, you know, as an organizer, like we, I'll start with the police and move my way back. The police is just an easier, easiest, always the easiest place for me. Is that I want you, the three of you, think of the place where you feel the most safe. Just get, like, don't tell us. Just think of it. Okay. Are the police there? No. No, right? Mm -hmm. So when people ask us, like, what is the world without the police? It's like, you already know, right? Like, if you if we had to ask you, where do you feel the most safe? Like, you actually know what that already looks like, right? When you think about the question over classrooms and stuff like that, the question for us is, like, who should decide what kids learn in classrooms? You probably have ideas about that. None of those ideas is probably rich white men, right? Like, that just mm -hmm. isn't. There are a lot of people you think of. Rich white men is probably none of the places you land, right? 
and that's sort of like where I am on on these bills. I used to teach sixth grade math. Uh, sixth grade was great. I taught in Eastern Europe, Brooklyn. And like, I think about what it means that kids come to school and like expect us to expose them to a host of ideas and issues and da da da. And one of the ways that, that whiteness certainly thrives is when kids just don't know what's true and what's not true. And I think that this bill is using parental rights as a way to like try to do that because it's Florida and like, mm -hmm. you know, racist and, and whatever. But as we all know, it is just an attempt to make sure that kids like don't learn about a set of things. The cool thing about the moment though is that the internet exists, right? right. So if you had done this 50 years ago, it would have been a, a much harder thing to get around. Whereas today, I mean, we see all the kids organizing against the don't case stuff in a way that is truly beautiful. Uh, and I'm hopeful that like, we'll see that. I worry the most about elementary schools, like, you know, because fifth graders are old. People think about fifth graders as like, uh, two-year-olds but fifth grade is 10 yeah 10 year olds yeah. are people you know mm -hmm. well that i mean that goes perfectly with what my sentiments are which which are that kids are much smarter than people give them credit for yeah. that part yeah and they're learning these things either way whether we decide to educate them TikTok, on it or like through reels, social media yeah. through friends and so i just can't get over how quick how folks are to legislate around something like this when there's just so many more important things going on in the world it's like old people making fucking laws and you're just like well kids learn most of the shit they learn from this damn internet exactly this <laughs> is like people are disconnected <laughs> like okay you won't talk about it at school like great i'll just look it up on whatever yeah i mean i personally think that this information should be introduced when the introduction the 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 content is being introduced like if you're mm -hmm. learning about you have your flashcards out right and you're like girl boy like throw in trans boy trans girl like if you're talking about like you know like family structures mm -hmm. throw that in I don't, I don't think that there needs to be this sort of like gatekeeping to the information mm -hmm. where it's just like no we're going to teach you this first mm -hmm. this is the prerequisite mm -hmm. and then when you're old enough we can teach you about other things it's right. just kind of like let's not make it a big deal because it's not and i think that it's really hard to put yourself in that position unless you actually are of the experience and you understand that it's not a decision. It's not something that can be imposed on you. Yeah. It's who you are. So you either are or you aren't. And a, a, a textbook, a lesson is not going to like right. change your mentality around that. Yeah, and I think it, it's like sex and gender are always viewed as like these adult topics. Like there are ways to talk about sex in a way that is medical. There are ways yeah. to talk about gender in a way that it is just presenting information and not about whatever you do or don't do with your body. Uh, and I think that's the thing that gets lost in this conversation. Right. That like when you, if you talk about sexuality in a way, in any type of way, it's, it's, we're talking, we're showing porn. We're not talking school. about the bedroom. Right. Yeah. We're like, and that's what I mean by like family dynamics. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have no issue at all showing like, this is what a family looks like. And it's like a woman, a man, a, right. and two kids. But mm -hmm. it's just like, you could just show a different type of family. Right. You don't have to go into the bedroom and like be underneath the sheets with them. Right. Like we don't, we're, we're not talking about that. Mm -hmm. We're just talking about representation and people being able, kids being able to see um, just the full spectrum of humanity and not feeling like a fucking outcast right. when they're growing up and feeling like they're weird or strange or have right. something to be ashamed about. And, for, and further, I think, no, parents don't have all the fucking answers nor the right to decide everything their kid does or doesn't learn. There are a lot of idiots with fucking kids. <laughs> like lot. there's and and if you want to like train your kid or teach them exactly what you think they should do, you can fucking homeschool them. 
So like, if it's that big of an issue for you, you can lock them away and do whatever you want at your weird <laughs> little fucking hick house. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like that's what's. But like seriously, oh like we wouldn't have teachers if everybody's parent was so fucking smart. Like you don't, you can't teach math. Yikes! Okay, like the you, algebra is not right. adding up. You no, can't. The math ain't math. Ain't. Exactly. <laughs> Child, you pull an algebra book out to to me. Child, I can't solve for X <laughs> <laughs> or Y, right, or Z, or but, any of the other. But I think that's the point. It's just like parents know what their kids should know. Like you have a scale or an idea of like how you'd like for your kid to grow up. You have intentions for who they you want them to be. But like yeah. to to think that you know everything that, they, that that's just fucking arrogant. And and kids, their bodies are changing, and they know it. You know, I remember so puberty is like seventh grade and mm -hmm. sixth grade. The kids are like. They're like older than fifth graders, but like still adorable and believe in magic. And then the end comes and they're like, the boys stink, the girls are having their periods. Like they, like their bodies are changing and it mm -hmm. feels like a disservice to them to not acknowledge that. Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like part of that is just the reality of like, they're going to ask somebody and we'd much rather them ask it in like a safe environment where right. there's like a real curriculum than like yeah, right. doing on some random message board where they are like lying to you or telling you to do all this stuff that is bad. You that know? part, right. Yeah, but let's listen. Speaking of locking them away, Damon, um, <laughs> I want to talk about erasure <laughs> for a bit. Okay. And here's what's going on, which is insane. And I don't know why the the, the state of Texas and Florida like they care well because DeSantis and listen, Abbott listen, trying to run for president. Those girls are trying it and they're carrying. And so in Texas, the state's Office of Child Protective Services opened at least nine nine investigations into parents seeking gender affirming treatments for their children. And they're saying that when these procedures are performed on children, they can legally constitute as child abuse under several provisions of the Texas family code. Interesting name for a law like that <laughs> or a code or whatever they want to call it. And so, you, and then on the flip side, you got governor DeSantis in Florida who is talking about investigating parents who take their kids to drag shows <laughs> which I think is fucking silly. And so <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you know what I think just before, like, I think that they're one of the girls. DeSantis <laughs> oh, and okay. Abbott are, there's some deep seated moment and trauma going on with those two <laughs> that I feel like, why, like when, at what point does it become obsessive? And so the question that I want to start with is should decisions around receiving child gender affirming treatment be left to families or should there be an age you know associated with it and, yeah. and, and around those regulations and and should that be the government's decision to make can i start this go thing? go you know what i think is interesting about conservative causes how much they fucking contradict each other so two seconds ago we were talking about how conservatives think that parents should have the right to say everything that the kid learns. And in the same breath, you want to create a law that says parents do not have the right to decide what gender affirming health care their kid deserves. Mm -hmm. Are the parents in charge or are they not? Are you the, are you the, um, the party of uh, small government or are you not? Mm -hmm. Or do we only care about the kids when they're in the womb? Um, so like that contradiction to me is always fucking strange. What I will say is that I think if, these laws or these discussions were coming from the place of the medical community about care, about understanding developmental stages of children and yeah. developing some type of framework around those types of things, which I think is productive conversations, but they're not. It's really just, 
conservative people trying to force religious views or warped religious views, actually, is what I'd like to say, because I wouldn't even describe them as religious, mm -hmm. um, views onto everyone. And and that's that that's it, it's all a bag of bullshit. Sorry, I don't have a more poetic way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I so I, I don't think that government should be involved with these these decisions. Um, however, I do want to note that I, I do think that there needs to be a more rigorous evaluation for children who are looking to pursue um, gender affirming treatment. Um, I just think that in any sense of any other case, mm -hmm. we would say like, oh, like the kid doesn't know. Like, like does the kid really know what's going on? And, and I'm not to say that like as a blanket statement for every child's experience, but it's more so to say like, the way that I would, as a, if I was a doctor, the way that I would prescribe an adult coming in for gender affirming um, treatment would be different in terms of like how much rigor I would put behind the evaluation is if a child came in. And so I think that it should still be the decision of the parent, the child, and the medical professional that's working, um, just working together for the, for the end result. But like, yeah, I think that we do need to like add a little bit more structure around when, how, and why we're doing gender affirming um, treatment for children who may still be trying, going through the journey of understanding who they are and who they want to be. Um, sorry, not who they want to be. That was the wrong word. But like, yeah, I think that a little bit more care and consideration needs to go into the kids. Yeah, well, I, I feel like this is another example of how cisgendered, heterosexual, white men <laughs> are attempting to control the lives of other human beings. And and based, based on what they do or do not right. believe and what they do or do not think is right. But DeRay, what have you to say? Yeah, I could say you. I'd echo <laughs> and say, uh, remember that these laws didn't come on the heels of there being an ex examination saying that there were deficiencies in the process or right. that we weren't serving kids well, right? Like it didn't, it didn't come on the heels of that. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, I think my macro point is that the culture war is here, right? The war is here. Mm -hmm. And your option is either like fight or surrender. I think what the right does well in the context of war is that they just make a battle out of everything, right? They just like move the, they, it's like one day it's this law, the next day it's CRT. Like they are trying to like take up all of the air to force people to choose a side. And that works in terms of building their base really well. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we like lose sight of the fact that like the war is here. I think the left is generally like, we're like, we're going to stop the culture or we're going to, and it's like the war is already here, right? Like it's happening. It's, you can't like you, you either fight or you surrender. And I think that this, I think they know that the laws won't be successful. Mm -hmm. I think they know the don't gay, don't say gay thing. Like it won't, it won't last because it is such a crazy violation of people's first event. Like they know that, but it wasn't to win. It, just like critical race theory. Mm -hmm. Nobody's teaching that anyway, right? Like they know people aren't teaching it but what it did do well for them is that it was a rallying cry mm -hmm. they got a whole lot of people worked up and they like build the base that way mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah. and i and i and i actually think that's the i mean i think these are transphobic and awful and i think that they are like hurting real people all those things are true and i think they serve a bigger purpose to the republican agenda that is to build the base yeah makes sense always and fucking I, clear I, I do think that we got to figure out on on our especially in black communities like how we talk about issues of identity i think about my dad who like 
is great and sweet and kind and did not grow up in a world where people talked about trans issues, where people mm -hmm. talked about consent, yeah. you know, like, yeah. it's like, how do we make sure our aunts and uncles have like the language and all that stuff? Like that is a real, cause yes. Boosie is a nightmare. Oh my God. And Boosie <sighs> speaks for a people we people love, we you know. know what I mean? Yeah. Like not, yeah, not that yeah. we know, people we love, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're, and they're like, yeah, you're like, no, 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 no. That is, he is off. You, you cannot know? rule right. out that perspective. That's a, that's the perspective of a lot of people we know and love. Yeah, yeah. I was I was in DC a few weeks ago for my sister's graduation, having a conversation with someone we all know that we're very close to, cisgender black woman who was having a very hard time with the conversation around trans women. And, and like, I think that, we assume sometimes because we're in New York and these like queer spaces, everyone is, I would say more, a lot of people are more knowledgeable than like the spans of the country yeah. that like everybody has the tools yeah. or like, or mm -hmm. even if they don't have the tools, what they say is always malicious, mm -hmm. but it's really coming right. from a place of not knowing. Um, and I, and I think, we don't give people the benefit of the doubt of not knowing enough in life and not to say that like you don't shouldn't get read because you don't know and you're spewing a bunch of bullshit um but but i think that that's the like conundrum we're in now like yeah the girls don't have a tackle box a tool a tool shed <laughs> <laughs> none of those things yeah and i think that for so long we've been what am i say we've been afraid or unwilling like to name some things as homophobic. Like when people mm -hmm. say like, oh, it's so sad that, like people do the thing that's like, it's so sad you're gay because you can't have kids. Like people have said mm -hmm. things are like, what mm -hmm. a waste because you're not with a woman. You know, people yeah. say, well, we've all been around that stuff and you sort of just like, so you're like, okay. Like, yeah. but it's like, that actually is homophobia, right? Yeah, or like absolutely. the way that, um, I, I think the way that women treat black men sometimes, black gay men sometimes, right? Like you're like an accessory, like you're like yeah. a, the cool purse. earrings, right? Or purse in the moment mm -hmm. you are important, you are, you're one of the girls. I'm not sure, I'm not sure, gay best friend. Right. Your like, homophobia is showing. Yeah, we don't like, we don't name the. I was just talking yeah. to somebody um, about, oh, what is this show called? Um, I will destroy, I may destroy you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you see it? Yeah. Yeah, with Michaela Cole. Yes. Which I generally liked. Mm hmm. What I didn't like though was if you remember the the gay character, the black gay guy, mm -hmm. like who was her friend, mm -hmm. is of all the people in that movie who did her dirty, it, which is like her cousin, the guy, like people really let her. They like did not protect her in the moment she needed protecting. The black gay guy was her friend the whole time, wow. but the only person she flips out on in the entire thing is him. The black right? gay guy, like the only guy, and he didn't even do anything wrong. Like he, they just had like a, mm -hmm. but like she's like livid with him you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's like that is the part that i actually hate about that show mm -hmm. about like the way that we the way that we have normalized like the role of the black gay guy mm -hmm. in popular culture is either like the hairstylist the entertainer or like the subservient best friend who just like is happy to be alive you know mm -hmm. and you're like well that can't be okay either you know yeah mm -hmm. i think we said this a lot on the show like Homophobia doesn't always mean bashing in queer people's heads on the street, right. on the pier. Like racism doesn't mean wearing a, uh, a hood and being in the clan. Like there's a whole spectrum of things that you can do that you may even not even know you're fucking doing. Right. And it's just like, how, how do we wrap and start, wrap our heads around and start those conversations? And right. I do think that the public conversation is so used to the input of homophobia leading to physical violence like mm -hmm. that is what we have like the most facility with is that like it's yeah. homophobic if it is close to physical violence yeah. anything that is not close to physical violence is just unkind right like, well i don't know if that's mm -hmm. right <laughs>
Completely agree. And I mean, so we all have a platform. We have surface level, the three of us. DeRay, you have an incredible platform. Um, when we think about the term, the gay agenda, um, are there any specific causes or um, aspects of, you know, equal rights movement that we're particularly passionate about and what we're doing to sort of see that move the needle forward? I think the healthcare conversation is big, right? Like PrEP is, you know, there's a generation of people who who did not benefit from something like PrEP, right? Mm -hmm. who, yeah. Who could have. Mm -hmm. uh, there would be no vaccine today for COVID if not for all of the incredible activists who fought for uh, fought for issues around HIV, like back in the day. So I think that the healthcare conversation is still top of mind. Uh, and when I think about healthcare, I'm always mindful that like having access to healthcare is important, but like the other side is like scheduling and all that. Like I remember when I first ever got tested for anything back in the day, it took me like two weeks to make an appointment. You're like, yeah, I had health insurance, but like two weeks to make an appointment is actually mm -hmm. not access, right? right? And like, I want us to like continue that. And then homelessness. I think that we, I think that the number of kids who are leaving home because it's not safe and da da da, and like don't have a place to go. I think that that is like a, an issue that we have to deal with that is about identity. I think we got to, figure that out besides all the other stuff that we've already talked about. Tony? Yeah, for me, when it comes to the quote unquote black gay agenda, I think I'm most passionate about the one that gets us represented. And the many, just thinking about the many forms of expression that we come in, mm -hmm. um, that we don't get to see. And part of that is doing this podcast. Part of it is doing what DeRay does day in and day out. And so I think about that aspect and how the queer experience and specifically the black queer experience is, is not a monolith. Mm -hmm. We don't, it's not everything that you see portrayed in the media. And I think for us, what we're trying to do and me personally is show that other side. And mm -hmm. I think that we're doing it and we're going to continue doing it. And that's, that's what I got to say on the, the agenda. Demond. <laughs> um, I would say the, a focus on youth, or not even just youth, like just people that are younger than us is really important to me. Like, I'm not having no fucking kids, but like I can talk to like <laughs> people about their kids, their lives. Like I, I have a younger brother who's gay, like in, in my life. And I think people knowing and like th through us doing this, that there is space in the world, there's love in the world, there is there there are people that will fuck with you, even if you're going through some shittiness. And also... To, to be realistic, life is shitty sometimes. And to have somebody that's kind of living it and talking about it in a public platform, um, I, I think is powerful. And I think um, recognizing that, I don't know, taking it a day at a time. Yeah. Some days it's fucking great. Some days it's fucking terrible. But the good thing is that in 24 hours, you get to start again. Yeah, and I yeah. think that if you chop it down to just like Every that, day is day one. Right. You get to chop, If you chop it down to that moment, I think it makes the whole thing that much more livable like even if we just like take it down to bare minimum uh and i think that ha being some level of example for like the beauty the messiness and everything in between of life is important to me for people that have have a few fewer years <laughs> in the tank than me yeah. <laughs> i mean my answer isn't um isn't much different than tony's i think that media representation is really really important i think you know we have a lot of really really great dissertations articles news articles but 
I think the reality is that the people in this country who need the most help in terms of educating themselves aren't really consuming those mediums. Um, and so seeing the full spectrum of queerness on TV um, and entertainment, I think is really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can only tell you about the amount of conversations that I've had once my family started watching Power. And they're just like, oh, maybe, maybe you're like this character. Maybe this is a little bit more familiar to me now. So um, I really want to see more representation, just like in the media and the stories that we tell, um, the way that we show the the American family, the way that we show American relationships, and just normalizing it. Because to your point, the youth that are watching this, they're going to grow up not thinking that it's strange, mm -hmm. and it's going to be more strange to them that things are not equal mm -hmm. um than something else so i think media is really important I, I really think that even just the show itself um is doing a fraction of the work to sort of help people become a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more enlightened about the topic in general mm -hmm. and on that note Duray, I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule mm -hmm. to come and meet with us and talk to us um, about these topics that are so important to our communities. I want to give you the opportunity to let people know where they can find out about what you have coming up, what you're working on, or just how to stay up to date with what's going on in your life. So I'll start by saying it's an honor to be here. I, you know, I think about as a black gay kid growing up in Baltimore, uh, the only representations of black gay people I saw was entertainment. And one of the things that I think you all do so well is that this is a reminder of like black love and friendship. And I just didn't, I didn't see that at all as a kid. I didn't see black queer people loving each other and like being friends in a way that was not fictional. And I am hopeful um, that there are young people who watch this and realize that like we exist in real life. So shout out to you all. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I'm on Twitter at DeRay, just D-E-R-A-Y. And that's probably the best way to keep in touch with what I'm doing. But um, it really is an honor to be. And I think that the the thing you've created is something special that, again, I wish existed when I was a kid. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you hear that. Go follow him on Twitter at DeRay. Um, and on that note, that's all the time that we have this week. This season, we're raising money for the Ali Forney Center, an organization committed to protecting LGBTQIA plus youths from homelessness and empowering them to live life independently. One of the ways you can help is by joining our surface level small talk conversation on Tuesday, June 28th. Small Talk is a live audio platform where you can join an intimate discussion with Tony DeMond and myself. And 100% of the tips that we receive will go directly to the Ali Forney Center. For details on how to RSVP for the Small Talk discussion, visit surfacelevelpodcast.com. And remember, stay curious.